Welcome in to a special edition of Priced Out the Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Morgan, alongside Cornelius Swart. How you doing today, man? Good, good, man. This is a special show. This is kind of like the listener will tell us what show they want us to do next. Yes. Maybe not next, but uh, eventually, because we've got some ideas. We've been traveling a lot. We've been yeah. seeing gentrification all around the country, all around, not quite the world, but at least in this, this hemisphere. Yeah, <laughs> that, that counts. And so we want you, the the listener, to tell us, oh, that sounds interesting. We want we want to learn more about what's going on in that city. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. So let's start off by letting people know, like, before you even hear from us, you may say, I already want to give them a piece of my mind. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get the, old, the all that information out there because we're on all the social media platforms. You but can, we've got our favorites. We're at Facebook at Priced Out PDX. We're on Twitter at Priced Out USA. We're on Instagram priced out movie and we are on youtube at priced out slash c slash priced out tales of gentrification and you can always just go to our blog at pricedoutmovie.com and leave a comment on this specific episode embed yeah so those are all your different ways uh that you can get you know get your message heard uh, to us and i promise you we will respond and uh we'll definitely definitely work on those shows so now i like to say that cornelius is a globe trotter you know not like metal art but like the actual... oh you don't like my my hoop skills <laughs> no you're behind the back passes <laughs> it lacks luster i'm so. lazy on the d too <laughs> yeah oh man so <laughs> Where do where do you feel like you want to start? I know where I want to start. It's it's the big place you just we've talked about it on the podcast before, mm. but I want to go deeper into this subject matter. Do you want to start with comics? Is yes. That what, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, not Columbia. Right. But but Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. So I saw Captain Marvel uh, last weekend when when I got back from my travels, and. You know, I want to actually start by talking about Comic Book Girl 19, who is my favorite yes. uh, vlogger. And, um, you know, she always rails and beats up on Captain Marvel. And then she did it in about face. She did a big turn. And I think the comic book mafia got to her. Because for episode after episode, she was railing on how weak a character she she is, Captain Marvel. Yeah. On how, like, she has no fan base. Nobody cares about her. They keep revising her. They have no direction for Captain Marvel. And the best thing about her is that Rogue stole her powers. Rogue from the X-Men will eventually right. basically destroy Captain Marvel and take all her powers away. And the other people on the show was like, you know... You know, there's always a character. There's people who follow Captain Marvel, and it's re- she's very important to some people. And you know, she's yeah. a, she's a female lead that that Marvel hasn't done, and that's really significant to people. And Comic Book Girl 19 was like, nah, 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 screw the trolls. And then the next episode she did, she was like, I love Captain Marvel. She you know, had like yeah. this blank expression on her face, and I couldn't believe it. So had she had seen the movie at that point? I don't think she'd seen the movie, huh. uh, and uh, having seen the movie now, I'm sure that it didn't change her opinions. Right, right. <laughs> so here's the thing: as men, and we we joked about this a little bit because you can't mansplain female lead characters, you know, to to the audience. But we, here we go. Uh, so <laughs> I, I think for me, I looked at the movie and I said, okay, this is one of the least interesting storylines. And an oversell of how 
her character is important and we should endure this movie in order to properly enjoy Endgame, which is coming up at the end of this month and is already selling better than any movie that's in theaters. Like pre, right there's a pre-selling yeah, it? The pre-sale just started oh. and it's already projected to be to top movies wow. in the actual wow. theater. <laughs> so Even her, uh, her cameo appearance or the, the tease that they had of yeah. her in the Avengers was lame. Yeah, it, it made me feel like she's going to be annoying and condescending to them. But <laughs> it just feels shoehorned in too. It's like everyone, like if Thor just says, oh, I like her. And it's like, why? She didn't she do, doesn't anything. do anything. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a huge fan. Uh, once again, if you get, you know, once you get a chance to watch the Uncaged documentary, you'll know where mm -hmm. I started with comic books. So it's not like I'm just deep in this, mm -hmm. but uh, I just didn't. It was like a blah. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like I could have did without that one. It was a giant meh, you know, it was. And Marvel has set the bar so high yeah. on a comic book Hollywood movie that even like one that's like sort of like, oh, yeah, it's like a Hollywood movie and they all kind of suck. So by that standards, it it was fine. Yeah. You know, and Jamie, my fiance, she liked the movie on the level of it had strong female characters, right. had female leads, it had relationships between female characters. It was the characters. female Top Gun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It was no better, no worse than Top Gun. Um, <laughs> but that's the bar, right? And so, so, but the the bar has moved for for Marvel, right? Like Marvel movies have this, this sort of spectacular quality that it lacks. They have strong um, central conflicts yeah. that are very clear, which this movie lacked. They have characters who are funny and engaging and it can pivot from funny to scary very quickly this film lacks that and so it, it's just not a winner in that in the in the in the by the standards set by marvel in my yeah. opinion and i think they had a lot of lost opportunities where they could have portrayed there's a great moment in the film that i don't want to give away but it shows the there's just like a quick montage that shows the character of carol danvers through her entire adulthood and childhood in right. just a moment and that moment is the most enjoyable powerful moment but they don't go deep with that they don't roll yeah. that that type of thinking for her character all the way through and for her character as a woman all the way through so i think it's a missed opportunity that it's just you know wonder woman was better if you want to talk about this yeah. like a female lead <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know it was just better and you know Jamie, who is a martial artist many, many years, my fiance, hated Wonder Woman because she felt like the actress was just um, not buff enough to be to be considered strong, right? right? So yeah. that 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 is what really mattered to her. And all the other stuff that I explained, oh yeah, but the characters, she has a message, you know, it, it has a it tells a story that's unique, and she's like, nah. Yeah, she's just went. She's just a girl in high heels, and I hate that. <laughs> so we got, uh, we've got much more comic book talk coming up for you guys later down the line in these other shows that we're gonna do because there's so much more that we, we. I mean, there's a lot. Endgame is coming, so we we're definitely gonna talk about that. And that's already half of our show. We've already talked about yeah. half comic books for half of our show. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, there you go. <laughs> what else? Maybe can we, we need do? to sh shift our focus. <laughs> Yeah, so we're here for gentrification conversations. Oh, I meant so, no, maybe uh, we should shift the focus of the podcast oh, entirely. Oh, just to, to yeah, yeah, just priced just, out just, what Thanos did, you know, yeah, like, just, like a to, stealth comic show. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. We'll figure that out. We can. We could. <laughs> I don't know. So, 
All right. But uh, as we had mentioned earlier today, what we're doing right now is we're, we're taking a look at where we are now in the middle of our season. And we're just saying, OK, what do you want from us? And we also want to share some of the things that we've experienced in our travels. And we want to prepare some shows. But we want to know, do you want to see these shows and what cities do you want us to, to talk about? Uh, that's one of the reasons why we gave out the email and all of the different social media. And we'll do it again uh, here at, at the end of the show. But. I want to ask you, how was your you went to Columbia, right? I went to Columbia and you told us a little bit about it in another episode, just a little bit. But I want to ask you about Columbia from a gentrification standpoint. What can you tell me you you got a chance to see from that aspect? So, as I said in in the previous episode on Romania, that uh, my family's from Columbia and my mother on the my mother's side. And so I've been to Columbia twice now. And what's happened over the last five or six years since the drug wars? have sort of ended and conveniently moved to Mexico. Thank you, thank you, US foreign policy. And the civil war has ended is that massive amounts of investment in tourists have been moving into Colombia. Colombia is kind of like the it country of South and Latin America right now because it's, you know, basically kind of like Mexico only cheaper. And right. and it's got beaches in the coastal area and PS Basically, cocaine is legal now, um, which is kind of the deal they struck to end the Civil War. So that's created sort of like a kind of like a really evil party scene that's centered around Medellin, which used to be the cocaine capital of the world, and a big like traditional tourist trade along the coast on in Cartagena. And Cartagena is close to where my my mother grew up in Barranquilla, which is where Shakira's from. And <laughs> I like it. That was a nice note you hit yeah, there. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, so Cartagena is a beautiful city that sits on the Caribbean. One half of it is like a kind of a Miami Beach type environment with like yeah. big, you know, white high rise towers on the beach. Beaches are not like Miami Beach. They're, you know, just passable, but you can rent a place for, I met a guy renting a place for $35 a night. And he's basically moving down there half half of the year. He's from New York. Basically, five years ago, JetBlue started a nonstop flight from JFK to Cartagena, and the floodgates opened up. So the place is crawling with tourists now. And also expats who are just moving down there to live. In the old city, which is right next to this high-rise area, you have the largest best preserved colonial city in the Western Hemisphere. You basically walk in there and it's like Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like you've gone back in time. And in just the two times I've been there, this area has gone from being, you know, boarded up, dilapidated, every other building to every building is a boutique hotel. Our bar that we like to go to on all of our trips to Cartagena was literally the last guy standing in the neighborhood. He said, uh, I don't know anybody in this neighborhood anymore. This is where I grew up. And he was literally painting Last of the Mohicans on his building the day we were there. And so there's just been a complete displacement by the tourist industry. So that's one way, one thing we could talk about is yeah. those dynamics. Well, you know, so for me, and when I think of a beautiful city like you just described, I have to bring up Boise, Idaho. Um, (laughs) as a sister city, you know, but but no, I was there. Right. And so 
as I was being driven around town, I was talking to a couple of different Uber drivers about gentrification intentionally. And in a very naive way, three three of the uh, residents there told me, oh, no, it could never happen here. Mm. We've got all the right zoning laws. We will not expand downtown. However, I began to drive as I was going around downtown in the outer skirts of it. I'm starting to see bike lanes being installed. Mm-hmm. And then I saw a new development plop down right in the middle. And it was apartments on top of apartments. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so it, something's definitely coming here. So I talked to a guy who's more tied into the city, uh, who works uh, there with the city and actually has a job as a city official. And one of the things that he shared with me about uh, about Boise was just this whole concept that it's coming. Mm. Prices are low. Mm. Uh, articles have been written, you know, about Boise being the most affordable place and mm. it's the best place to live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you get titled the best place to move, yeah, yeah. it's pretty much uh, that's it. And so with Portland overflowing with a lot, it's a lot here. Like, Yeah. I mean, <laughs> our um, our priced outs friend and um, the former sort of operations manager here at Northwest Documentary, um, Chelsea, moved to to Boise just about six months ago because she wanted to keep making films, keep making music, could not afford to live here anymore. She had a lot of professional skills. She took a pay decrease when she moved to Portland from Minneapolis. And she's like, I got to get out of here. I'm not making enough money. Picked up, moved to Boise. And she loves it out there because there's a lot of people just like her moving out there. Yeah, it is. And so throughout throughout Boise, you're starting to see growth and diversity. You're starting to see more people move in. So I'm thinking it's time that, you know, someone rings the alarm and starts letting individuals know, because once it's too late, it's nothing you can really do. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're Mm -hmm. trying to scramble around and create like, oh, we need some sort of uh, tenants committee or something. And Mm -hmm. it's too late. The city's already got its plans and everything. And uh, but it's still a bit. I can't lie. It's a beautiful place for small town America. Mm. I was working downtown in a in a communal workspace, and it it mirrored some of the. It was a newer communal workspace, mm-hmm. but it mirrored some of the ones that I had worked in in Dallas and in Tulsa before in the past. And so, so that's that's Boise. So that makes me think of you know, again the complete opposite, which is Newburgh, <laughs> New York, which is where I was uh, just a week and a half ago, and Newburgh is. Something that only happens, I feel, in upstate New York. Right. Which is like a rural hood, right? It's like you drive for an hour and a half upstate up to the Hudson River Valley, which is a very beautiful place, very historic place. You go to Newburgh, which is in the middle of nowhere, and you get into downtown Newburgh, and it feels like you just fell into downtown Detroit, right? It is, it is old buildings for blocks and blocks and blocks it's like 100 150 years old all the buildings they're boarded up and it is it is a black and latino community it's like you've just crossed into a line where suddenly you're in brooklyn in the 1990s or 80s and it's a thriving community of its own right but it's also a very very poor community in its own right and so you have a city that's trying to revitalize itself while people are already saying, oh, wait a minute, we know what's happening here. People are moving up from Brooklyn because, you know, the artist types are moving up from Brooklyn. Yeah. 
because they need a place to they want to have creative space and studios and they're starting to open up little cafes but just on like one street so people are starting to say uh well you know we know what's happening here we know we might you know get not get any benefit from these newcomers but at the same time we have all these boarded up buildings we have like all this this had they had the highest murder rate uh, in the state of New York up until four years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, right across the river is a place called Beacon. And Beacon is already like to the brim with artists. It's on the Metro North Line. It's 45 minutes from the city. It costs $1.75 to get on the train from Grand Central Station to this town, which is in the middle of the valley. And the, the artists and blah, blah, blah. You know, the whole cycle of gentrification has already happened in Beacon which is a tiny place by comparison. And so now people are spilling over the, across the river and it's like, here we go again. What, what will happen and will they do anything different? Yeah. So for me, I got a personal one similar to yours with Kansas City. So I go there and I, I, I'm doing footage for the Uncaged documentary and I say, okay, I got to go back to my old elementary. And... Um, it was it's a building now that's a, it, it looks just like it. it still says Bancroft Elementary. Right. Mm -hmm. But everyone like someone from the hood came out and was like, yo, you man, you know, that's owned by Brad Pitt now. <laughs> and they give me the backstory of how like tenants aren't being treated great. But mm -hmm. it's it's affordable housing. It's the solution to affordable housing. And Brad Pitt built a lot of affordable housing yeah. in New Orleans following the Katrina flood. Yeah. So maybe this is part two of that. So we're going to do some research and that's going to be mm -hmm. part of a preview. But for me. In that episode, I'm also going to talk a lot about the root shock, you know, and all the different things that may have uh, come into play, you know, just visiting and not recognizing, like being in places that was home and not mm -hmm. being able to recognize. I spent the last week there and it was just there were some some things I re recognized and remembered, but it was a lot of emotion. And and that that's that's like something that. I think people really connect with when you have a personal story there. Yeah. And so I, I want to hear from, I want to hear from you. I mean, I, I want to hear that for sure personally. And it'll be a nice um, companion to the St. Louis one that we did yeah. way back. And, and we have kind of like a little triangle then because we've done, we've done Tulsa as well. You know, and the interesting thing about you bringing up Tulsa, I've been getting requests for us to revisit the Tulsa show. Oh, really? Because there is an issue going on in Tulsa right now where there are people fighting uh, City Hall because there's a large uh, affluent area of town, black area of town, that has been proposed for uh, revitalization and people will be losing their homes and mm -hmm. if you're not buying out, you're going to lose it to uh, intimate domain. Mm -hmm. And so my mother-in-law is actually on that list. Her oh, address wow. is on that list. So mm -hmm. the, there's a whole community fighting to keep their homes and to stay in this area mm -hmm. that's adjacent to downtown that has been... Uh, conveniently hand you know hand chosen as the future of of redoing the city of Tulsa so the fight has now gotten to the place of severe displacement hmm. uh without justice just hmm. absolute gentrification without justice is hmm. going on so we may have to revisit Tulsa coming up uh, real soon too that'd be good and then maybe last I think is um Vancouver BC Vancouver yes. British Columbia which I was I was just up there and Vancouver is very interesting because it's on the West Coast here, and especially in the Pacific Northwest, a lot of the city planning that's happened here in Portland and, and in Seattle has tried to emulate what happened 
in Vancouver, BC, which had an explosion in growth over the last 20 years. It started when Hong Kong was about to be handed off from the British to the Chinese. And what happened is Canada is inside the enclosure of the British Commonwealth, which is essentially the new name for the empire. And so citizens of Hong Kong were British citizens and they could move money and themselves over very easily to Canada. Really? Yeah. And so there was this massive migration of capital and people from Hong Kong to Vancouver, BC, which then got built up with all these high rise towers. And you go to, to Vancouver, BC and it's like, oh, it's Chinese is like the first right impression you get coming in from the airport is like, wow, I, I was I had no idea that it was going to be a more diverse when I crossed the border and that it was basically just going to be Chinese. Um, so so it's fascinating in that sense, but it's also kind of like the California of Canada. Right. You're talking about a place where it doesn't really snow very much. It's warm like it is up here in Oregon and Seattle. So people just go there. To, right. It's the warmest place that you can go in Canada. So there's always a flood of people moving there. And what's happened in since, you know, I haven't been there in like 15 years, but it's like it looked like downtown Portland when I was there in the 90s. And now it looks like downtown Hong Kong. The growth has been incredible and it's all been contained in downtown because they've zoned it that way right yeah. so there's there's lots of building downtown but the prices for housing have gone up everywhere everything is expensive every square inch is expensive and what we could focus on is the one area which is still you know pretty run down pretty even dangerous by even u.s standards which is the gas town chinatown area which is a which is a historic area, kind of like, you know, Old Town in Portland or Pioneer Square in Seattle. So there's, you know, very, very um, neglected buildings. There's a lot of drug treatment centers there. They allow uh, needle and um, intravenous drug use openly in these areas. And there's just like lines and lines of homeless people lining the blocks, people living mm. in cardboard boxes. But the rents are really expensive. Yeah, I looked around and I was like, man, it's exp as expensive to live in this very dangerous neighborhood as it is to live in one of these high rise towers that have just been built. So exploring the, the dynamics of that level of housing crisis. Yeah. So for us, if you're a traveler, if you're a person who's looking at things, if you're affected by gentrification and you're in your town and you're like, hey, what about us? What about us over here? And and. Chattanooga. I don't know. So wherever you may be, give us a, you know, reach out to us. You can email us. You can get to the blog. So what are some of the ways that uh, someone, if they want their story told, because we can get you on a Skype call or if yeah. you just want to share your story with us and give us some resources, we'll dig out the story. So yeah. uh, what are some of the, the ways, once again, that they can get in contact with us? Yeah, you can find us on Facebook at Priced Out PDX. You can at tweet us or DM us at priced out. I guess you can't DM us. You have to at tweet us at priced out USA on Twitter. We are priced out movie on Instagram. You can just send us a comment or a message and you can always find us on pricedoutmovie.com. You can email us through the website or you could go to the blog and make a comment on, on this post. Yeah. We're excited uh, to kind of continue uh, this story of gentrification and our whole hope is to inspire you to start the conversation in your town 
Uh, it doesn't matter if someone else has started the conversation, join it, continue it. And, and let's let's let it be known because we're going to need each other in order to to fight uh, this big monster of gentrification. And coming up next, we will definitely be having a show, a long show on <laughs> Long Beach. Yes. And that probably be a two part show. It's going to be more of an audio documentary. Uh, which we really enjoy doing and it just take a lot of time and resources to develop and so you will be hearing from us again all right